Hey, creator, I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. And before we get to started on today's podcast on how to brand your business online in 2020, I'm joined by Ian and Margaret Wishingrad, the founders of Three Wishes Serial. And Ian is also an award-winning branding expert. I wanted to let you know about my website, iancorzine.com. There you can schedule a consult with me or one of my social media lawyer team for some in-depth analysis of copyright, trademark, or other business questions you have for your social media accounts. Also, don't forget to go to my legal template store where you can download contracts relating to your Facebook, YouTube, Instagram account, get copyright releases, collab agreements, vendor contracts, anything like that, and be sure to stick around to the end of the podcast where I'm going to give you a 20% off discount code. All right, for all that, go to iancorzine.com. All right, let's start today's show. Los Angeles. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Corzine. Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. I'm on a crusade to help social media creators uh, understand the law and protect their artistic freedom. Today, I'm going to be joined by Ian and Margaret Wishingrad, uh, founders of Three Wishes Serial, also award-winning brand experts, and millennial trend experts also, which I really think is awesome. Uh, today, we're going to talk about uh, how you market your business, your online business uh, in 2020 after kind of this economic disaster we're going through. By the way, if during the podcast you'd like to email me, feel free to do that at podcast at iancorzine.com, podcast at iancorzine.com, or hit me up on Twitter at iancorzine. All right. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Ian and Margaret Wishingrad. Welcome to the Social Social Media Law Podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Hey, listen, I always start my podcast with um, some discussion of like um, a story in which you help someone. And I know you guys have done tons of stuff, whether it be helping people quit smoking or whether it be helping people eat better. But do you have a story that kind of sticks out there where you were able to help someone with, with some something? Yeah, so my story is about three wishes. And so we kind of helped our own problem in creating a product for our family and our son. Yeah. Um, that was really exciting. But what really warms my soul is <laughs> we've had the, the wonderful um, opportunity to, to sample in stores before all of this. And we've met children that either have diabetes or any other conditions. Um, and having a breakfast option for them was something that was really, really lovely. And seeing that their parents could feed them classics like cereal again. Um, we're just super, super heartwarming. So that's been a joy to watch. That's awesome. I like that. Uh, Ian, do you have something or is that your main story? Oh, well, I, you know, help is in many ways. You mentioned or alluded to a few things. So I kind of, um, I'm one of these believers that I always want help. So I always give help, but it's never like since a particular moment, people are always, you know, you could make it transactional and call it networking or advice, but basically um, I give back to my school and always mentor kids that are coming out of my alumni. I try to make some things. Uh, I went to the Syracuse University Communication School. So yeah. I always basically mentor a kid there. And I think what I'm able to help with is there's so many kids that are super ambitious, but they really don't know where to go and what to do. And I burn my hands so many times in my career that I can at least try to get them on the right path. So if they're going to run fast in one direction, it feels like one that will bear fruit for them. If you want to talk about charity, I mean, I give every single day. Uh, there's a problem. There's a program called Good Today. And yeah. 
forget. It works out to be $10 a month, but I always try to do like the actual right big checks at the end of the year, depending on how well we've done. And then the ongoing daily giving. But you can never really think necessarily you give enough. But I try to just make myself available to people that want help. And sometimes it's a very big mission campaign, per se. But in the, in the midst right now, we're so focused on our own family and making a better for you cereal that we feel like that, you know, that's we're, we're helping as we do. How did you guys come up with the idea to use a, you know, we talked a little bit about it, but how did you come up with the idea to have a better for you type of cereal? What was the thought on that? Yeah. So as brand building people, we're constantly building brands for other people. And I wish, uh, you know, sometimes I wish I came up with Casper or some of these other brands that have become massive household names. And I think for us, when we became first time parents, we've identified problems that we didn't know existed before that. And so when we had Ellis and I started to feed him food, I'm naturally a healthy eater, want to bring those same habits to my child. Um, and cereal was a recommendation of little foods to introduce to your kiddo. And I haven't had cereal in the longest time. And I wasn't really comfortable feeding my kid anything on the market because I realized it was all just sugar and, and empty carbs. Um, and I thought it was a really great opportunity. So I turned to Ian and I was like, hey, they're still, you know, slinging all the same cereals that we had as kids. And there's nothing really new and innovative that I think a lot of these other millennial consumers are really attracted to in a food brand. Um, and so we started to formulate, create our own product that followed those modern same health pattern. So it was go with a higher protein, take down that sugar and really fill your ingredients at, with nutrients and make sure that you're feeding your family with good things. So that was kind of uh, what, what sparked it for us. That's awesome. I have a child, also a six-year-old who's gluten-free and dairy-free and has lots of dietary restrictions. So I really appreciate that. How were you able to accomplish getting kind of that sweetness that cereal is um, without with reducing the sugar? Do you have other substitutes? Yeah, so our cereal is sweetened with monk fruit and organic cane sugar. And so for us, it was really important, both on the texture side, so when we created that puff, and then both on the flavor side to mimic cereal as we all know it. So creating, recreating that sweetness, but using a lot less sugar. So we're only three grams of sugar in our sweetest flavored um, versions. And so for us, it was give that same type of flavor. So putting a little organic cane to make you remember, okay, this is what sweetness tastes like. But really, monk fruit is a really interesting, super sweet tasting. Mm -hmm. But there's no really, there's, there is a distinct taste to it, but not so much. So I think for us, it was finding that balance of, hey, can we remind your brain of what a little bit of sugar tastes like, but really bring you the sweetness from a natural uh, sweetener. And so that's kind of what we did. Awesome. And when did you go to market uh, with Three Wishes? Well, we launched late October. Uh, we went to market at the same time we did brick and mortar and online simultaneously. Um, before the coronavirus, right? We remember, yeah. Do you remember that world? Yeah, uh, exactly. Direct-to-consumer food uh, had its had, had some people enjoying it. But it, for the most part, uh, people enjoy going to the supermarket. It's a fun activity. It's not like having to go to some bad department store. Like Food shopping is fun. Yeah. And over 90% of America shopped at the supermarket. So for us, it was actually winning its shelf was a big part of our strategy. So uh, we started brick and mortar. We got into Whole Foods Southern California. We got into Wegmans, Erewhon, hundreds of other health stores in the New York and LA area. And then concurrently, our website and Amazon. Now, given what's going on today, we're doubling down, tripling down, quintupling down our efforts <laughs> to try to make it work online. Um, but we have to be very judicious about how we do that because the cost, to, you know, if, for instance, if you're doing a Casper mattress, it's $1,000. Mm -hmm. Let's say their cost is 300. You have hundreds of dollars to spend in marketing to convert the customer to buy this. Now, we it's too early for us to understand the lifetime value of our customer 
and we didn't raise billions of dollars that we could just go blow it like this. So we have to be very smart about how we get them with a lower margin item online, mm -hmm. especially when people are new and want to try you. So we're learning as we're going. Awesome. Awesome. And do you have plans to expand your product line or are you going to continue on with your the existing lines or? Yeah. So right now we have three flavors and for us, the mission here is like, let's tackle classic cereal and go for flavors that people are super familiar with. And so we have another flavor launching in a couple weeks and we're just going to continue to tackle big American cereal and big good flavors. So um, that's kind of what's coming. And then we have some innovation in the pipeline that follows the similar premise of take these naughty foods and, and turn them wholesome and delicious filled with nutrition. So we have some other fun things cooking in the, in the pipeline too. Yeah. When we built the brand, if you look at the packaging, you'll see it says three wishes, predominantly very big. It doesn't say three wishes cereal. Um, the modern day version of building brands are if we find a customer that likes us, mm -hmm. um, even if the vast majority of America is still buying bad for you cereal, or they have, they, they don't want to spring the extra dollars to make the healthier decision. Once we have a consumer that loves three wishes cereal, there's a chance they'll like other products for us in other categories. So the idea is to create the term as a platform brand is the buzzy word of the, of yeah. the month or the, of this, you know, whatever eight <laughs> months we've termed the thing. Um, but it, you're a platform brand so people could get it elsewhere. Cause if you look at the cereal category, it's all like one off hits, honey, nut Cheerios, you know, regular Cheerios, they skew out over decades, but it's not uh, frosted flakes and then you go frosted something else. It, it's they stick to just kind of flavor changes. So we want to make sure that we can go into other categories as well. Yeah. I represent a lot of online creators that have online businesses and you guys have gone through a unique thing. One is you're trying to help people. One is you're trying to have a business. You're going through a difficult time right now. You've explained some of the challenges. Do you have any recommendations? Could you have any lessons you learned in this process that you could let us know as creators, us online entrepreneurs know about what we should be looking for when we want to start our own product or, or something similar to that? Well, one, I think it's, make sure you're identifying a real need and you're serving a real, you know, customer and purpose and really nail that. And I think what we've really focused on, especially right now is whether it's through social media or um, like through the influencer side or through the targeting and, and advertising online side, really figure that, that person out and understand how to communicate to them and, and how to convince them to give your product a try and why your solutions have problem they have in their lives. Um, so that's been something that's, I think a really important lesson. Yeah, I think I think Margaret, I think yes, number number one for certain, she made a really good point is solving a real problem, not like a pseudo problem or I think and, and and by the way, if you're not solving a huge problem, you better make yourself believe you're solving the biggest problem in the world because people need to believe and feel from you that you are solving the social media law problem that is just yeah. plaguing people and you are yeah. the person to do so. Yes, I like that. Awesome. What about some of the challenges you've encountered just creating a product from scratch? I mean, is, uh, have you learned things about that that you could tell us uh, people out there? Yeah. So I think there are a few things in this business that we thought would be really fun and dandy. So we thought, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's going to take us two minutes to create a product. It took us two years um, because at one, it proves as to why other brands or larger companies haven't done it. To innovate in this category with these type of ingredients is a massive, massive undertaking. Um, so it took us two years of trial and error and a ton of really weird cereal before we got to where we got to. So that was that was fun, <laughs> exciting. I think another a fun, challenging thing is fundraising. We think, oh, the world has all this money out there for people to to put into businesses. 
to, to really convince someone and sell them in on your vision, your dream, and why they should become a part of your journey um, is, is something also that's a massive challenge. So I think we've, we've learned a lot in, in just launching a business. Yeah, we, um, I thought we had all the pieces together way before we launched it. It's like, okay, we have the food scientists, we have this, we have these bases covered. I've done a relatively well in my career that I have enough contacts. Uh, we need to raise some money, wait till they hear what I'm about to do. It's going to come flying. I mean, and so we heard some feedback from early investors that they thought we were like, I, me in particular was delusional. I thought it was like <laughs> a boom, 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 but a boom, boom, boom. And uh, I was already planning on what I do with all the money I made. Uh, yeah. It's like crazy, annoying, humbling, difficult, everything. But it's so rewarding because the good thing is the, all the problems that are, are on our shoulders we can identify quickly, solve quickly, find solutions quickly. It's the only thing we don't have is the pocketbooks I'm used to dealing with with clients when you can solve a problem a lot of times or make it go away because they know your brand, you're distributed every door, just make some buzz. It's, it's just like, it is so different, but it's incredibly rewarding. So, you know, that's kind of what I, what I feel so Yeah, far. I think the other big difference is our experience has been that we've always been on the service side, which is very different from the product side. Um, we've always been able to help someone on how we push it out there. And we've been placed in the other seat now where we almost take a step back and we forget that our, our real strength is pushing the product out there. And we're just <laughs> worrying about how to supply it and get it all done. So it's been really fun to, to kind of straddle both, you know, yeah. both lanes. Yeah, two dates. See, Margaret, like, Margaret is an operator. I mean, the reason we work so well as a couple, like when I had my parents met her a couple weeks, couple weeks into dating, they just like, they kept, they were like, it feels like you guys know each other for years. It was just so instant in how we work. What makes us a, a complimentary couple is we just fill each other's, there's a lot of overlap, but we really also do our own things well. And so I didn't realize, and I think no one from the agency world realizes how much a little of the business is that part and how much it's like, Margaret's, I mean, of course, a truck breaks down, the chickpea doesn't get to the supplier, yeah. uh, this one, that one, the price went up. Uh, it's like, oh my God, it's truly like, it's, it's nightmare. It's not professional services world. It's not a couple emails. It sucks. And so, but, but Margaret's such a good job and I can't even really help her because I'm just like adding hands that don't speak to each other, you know, like it's like watching someone flail. So, but now we're kind of have a cadence a little bit. We have a better handle and now it feels like I could, I'm used to being, try to be the hero for my wife and our family. And right now she's been the hero for a while. And I feel like now I have a chance to start flexing and really contribute because we're really getting into now we need to make the noise. And that's, that's really feels like my home court. Awesome. Well, I'm going to get back to something you said, because you have so much experience in, in branding and in working with large brands and selling tons and tons of product and services and things like that. How have you guys managed to use social media uh, to get the word out. I want to say one thing. I was at a Bid Summit last October, and I remember Sean Duras uh, was on stage talking, and he actually referred to your cereal. He said, everybody do this, and you'll hashtag Three Wishes Cereal. He's a big uh, supporter. Um, so I, I have seen a little bit of that stuff, but I'm wondering, what are you guys doing? Are you doing videos? Are you doing yeah. podcasts? Okay. Oh, yeah, I'll tell you. So we've actually, we're, we're doing, it's, okay, so a few things. One is, um, be in the right place. And what I mean by that is how people discover you. Real world discovery, I find, is usually better than online discovery. Uh, you know, you read the, the, the typical DTC launches, Inc. and Fast Company and Forbes, this East Silicon Valley guys from Wharton are going to F you up with their new incredible whatever. Um, <laughs> we, wanted, we wanted to be discovered 
in the right environment. So there's a store called Erewhon in Los Angeles. Of course. Erewhon is, yeah. you what? I love it. I'm from LA. So yeah. Oh, okay. You yeah. get it. Okay. So yeah. Erewhon is the most influential grocery store in the world, right? It's uh, obviously not the size of Whole Foods or whatever these places are, but it's where the celebrities go. It's where the influencers go. It's where people with blue checks on their Instagram like to be seen. So it's really, and it's really highly curated to get in there. Yeah. So we getting in there was a big win because people, it's, healthy living and like being there and shopping there is a very LA thing. So that's been really fruitful for us. We have tons of organic just from healthy girl people going in there, buying it and like loving to post about it. So that's been great. We've also been doing just the, the like work. Margaret sits at the desk every day, handwrites notes, sends 10 boxes out a day. And so we find people and you write a, you write a nice note and they see a picture of our family on the other side and it's cool. And you usually get a lot of organic love. So we've been doing a lot of just, sending obviously we get hit up every day for someone offering me their rate card and all they're going to get us we spend money till the cows come home like this but margaret's really smart about our spend and really 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 watches every dollar and, and doesn't feel like we're in that we're in the age of experimenting with yeah with i think well i think what's interesting uh, and i think alluring in social media is when when instagram first came out and like you know, it was anytime someone placed a recommendation out there, it was like, oh, this person must love the product. And now every time you see something, it feels like it's all hashtag sponsored, hashtag ad. And it's just so disingenuous. And so for us, the most important thing is I need to make sure whoever's trying my product, whether I'm paying them or not, that they love my product and they want to share it with their followers in a really genuine way because that will sell more product than anything else. So I rather cold send a thousand boxes than, you know, pay for one influencer that's kind of like meh about it. So for us, it's just find who your community is and really dial in there and make sure that they love you. They want to share and evangelize the brand in a really unique way. Um, and I think that's worked really well for us. And then the other part is social media and press go a little bit hand in hand somehow. So um, because like all the PR agencies over the past five years have had to switch to doing PR and influencer mm -hmm. because it's all third parties validating you, which is a huge thing. It's, it's, if I tell you my cereal's awesome, you'll believe me. But if someone else tells me you it's awesome, it feels more objective. Yeah. So we recently um, turned our driveway. We have a U-shaped driveway and we turned it into a drive-through sampling station and we captured that content. And then we got a local paper story that went to USA Today that went to Fox News. And then Margaret and I were on national TV for three and a half minutes with them telling us they love our idea. Oh. And we had our best sales day ever. And within five minutes, the interview's over and Margaret's inbox is just, just, just getting plowed with orders and all day she's dealing Thank with- Thank you, everyone. <laughs> yeah. And she's dealing with all these inventory issues. And that's the kind of stuff that, that's the stuff I really enjoy. So as we have more launches, I'm thinking of other things. How do I make news with my brand to get the free earned media? I see. <clears throat> Outside of just like a feature of, you know, I earned my feature or whatever. Exactly. And where do you get those ideas? How do you come up with those, those great ideas that are kind of uh, newsworthy or at least social media worthy? This is, this is a question I ask myself all the time. Sometimes, you know, wake up at like three in the morning and be like, hey, I have an idea. And I was like, what, what idea? Yeah. So, no, you don't. You don't say what. No, sometimes I'm like, well, let's go up. back to sleep. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because Ian, Ian has like this really interesting brain that just like, it, I, I, you can explain that. I don't even know how to explain it. It just goes like out there and connects a thousand different little dots and comes up with these like really unique smart ideas. And that's what he's been doing on the advertising side and really excelling at for a, a long time. So that's kind of his like sweet spot is thinking of creative ideas to get people to notice 
your product, your brand, whatever it is. So. so in this circumstance, I always try, the best way to do it is you're trying to make a journalist's job easy. Okay. So the news is coronavirus, period. There's no other news. Yes. So if the news is coronavirus, and what I need to do, my problem is sampling. People need to try my cereal. It tastes so good. When I sample, we sell hundreds of boxes. Mm-hmm. We do not have sample size available yet. So it's asking a lot for someone online to spend eight bucks or seven bucks, whatever our cereal costs on the internet, to buy a box to try. So I thought, okay, they're doing all these drive-up testings where you see in the news, like the news shows someone drives up, they roll their window down, someone puts a Q-tip into their brain and tells them whether they have coronavirus or not. And it's drive-through testing. So I was like, what if we did drive-through taste testing? And so that was the genesis of the idea. And I thought if I did this and did it properly and got enough people to come and captured it, I might have a story here. And that's exactly what happened. Wow. Wow. Well, that's just ingenious. I think it's great. And, you know, I think I can speak for everyone out there wishing you guys so much luck on your your mission. You know, one of the things that I'm really moved by is the fact that the number one part of this whole product is helping people eat more healthy. Um, you know, the you, you guys are not making a lot of money per box, but what you really want to do is help people have this great food that's convenient, especially for young children, uh, and they can also eat it in a, in a healthy manner and not, you know, have so much sugar and carbohydrate and all those things in, in uh, the product. So I just want to say thank you so much for doing that and spending the years you did to develop the cereal. And we're definitely going to buy a lot of boxes and, and give them out. So I, I appreciate it so much for you. Uh, and I also appreciate coming on today's podcast. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so Ian. much. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And uh, as a reminder, um, this is the Social Media Law Podcast. Uh, go to iancorzine.com to get any answers you have to social media law questions. Please remember to subscribe to the Social Media Law Podcast with Ian Corzine. And if you could on iTunes, please rate it so it can skyrocket up the charts. I wanted to mention that um, the discount code for my legal template store is IANBIG20. All right, that's enough for today. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and I'll see you all next week.